morning. Uh, just to uh, kind of do a little show and tell for y'all. Uh, these items that I have are items that if I am uh, going on some kind of adventure on my feet, whether it's the Grand Canyon or the Smoky Mountains or wherever it might be, these are the items that I do not leave home without. Uh, they are the most important things uh, that I carry of everything, and or they represent some of the most important things. Uh, this one is, uh, y'all all know this, that your pastor is a nerd. I don't think that is new information for anyone, but I have an Excel spreadsheet that tracks how many calories I need in the Grand Canyon from one point to another, and I break it up into sections. This is not a surprise to anyone if you really know me. And then I know how many calories I need, and then I have, I print out these little labels, and so this one, this year I didn't return, so this is uh, Phantom Ranch to the South Rim, so the last 10 miles of the canyon, it's bag number four of four, and then I have listed exactly what I need in this bag to make sure, and so there's a uh, mix in here for, for water, but then there's also uh, gel packets, these are the calories, uh, and so I have all of that counted up, so I know exactly what I need to get from the last 10 miles, from the bottom of the Grand Canyon at Phantom Ranch back to the south rim. So this is my, th these are my calories. This is my, if you're a runner, you call it your nutrition. Uh, we don't call it food, it's nutrition, it's completely different. Not really. But anyway, so this is, this is what I have in there. This is my food, this is what gives me the, the calorie intake to keep moving. So this is kind of piece one. The other one, uh, this one might look a little odd to some of you. It's not, a, not just a cup, this is actually my water filter. It's the greatest water filter, I think, that has ever been made. Uh, but it is a, uh, it's actually a water purifier, so you can use it in Haiti, you can use it in Inez, Kentucky, where there is heavy metals in the water. It'll actually take out the heavy metals. Uh, but it, if I have this in my pack, especially in this part of the country, I know pretty well I'm not going to die. Because uh, wherever I can find water, even if it's dripping, I can still have something to drink. And even in the Grand Canyon, there is a uh, creek, the Bright Angel Creek, runs along most of the trail. I've even, uh, 2021, I think it was, I started to get close to running out of water, and I found snow melt that was dripping, and I just take this, it makes a funny noise. You just fill this up with water, and then you compress it like a French press. It's not going to work because the lid's on, and then it uh, filters the water, and I was good to go. So this is another item. I don't leave home without this. And then lastly, there's this little emergency kit. I won't go through all the pieces in it, but in, this is one that I've told Lewis uh, Stark, who's kind of in charge of our group. Uh, Lewis carries one, his wife Allison carries one, but I tell him, like, make sure, in my mind, if I was in charge, I would tell everybody that unless you have this with you, you don't get to go in the canyon. So in here, uh, there is a whistle, because you're, if you were to have a, an emergency or an accident, you can blow a whistle way longer than you can yell. So there's a whistle in here. There is a, for me, there's an extra set of contacts. There are like hand wipes because the most annoying thing you have ever experienced in your life, are y'all ready for this? Is if you are 20 miles or so into something and you open up one of these little packets that have a lot of uh, high fructose corn syrup in it and it gets on your hands and it will be sticky and it will be the most annoying thing you've ever experienced. So there's some hand wipes in here, just in case. Um, there's, a new, there's a headlamp in here, there's a headlamp strap. There's extra batteries for that headlamp. There is a poncho, and then there is a space blanket bivy. It's pretty much, that's a fancy word for a space blanket sleeping bag. So all of that is right in here. 
I don't leave home without it. It's one of the most important things because if you get hurt and you have to be on the trail, you need to make sure that you have heat. And so that's all there. So why do I share all this with you? What, what is the purpose of all of this stuff? The purpose is self-sufficiency. I want to make sure that I don't ever have to be rescued from somewhere. I don't mind being the rescuer. I don't mind sharing. That has happened many times. There will be somebody who needs something, and I think, and I actually carry extra. I have a different bag of just extra that I'm not counting on because sometimes you pass somebody and they look like death warmed over, and you say, do you have any food? And they're like, no, I ran out. Well, I have extra, and so you give them extra. I don't mind helping, but I don't want to be helped. Anybody else have that problem? I don't mind helping, but I don't want to be helped. And these things help me make sure that I am the helper, not the helpee. It's helpee is even a word. These things help make sure that I am self-sufficient, that I don't need anybody else. Today's passage is a passage about self-sufficiency. I want to look at just the beginning of it with you uh, and to get you kind of thinking about it. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, uh, begins with the story of the rich young ruler, and it's a story that for many of us we are uh, very familiar with. It says, uh, as he was setting out on a journey. Now, I've been kind of pointing this out as we've gone through this. This word journey here is the word that we talked about last week, oidos, which we translate as the way or the, or the road. So we're back to, that, back to that word. As he sets out on the road, on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to them, to him, teacher, I've, I've kept all of these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him. And I might just add, this is the only place in Mark's gospel where, where we are told that Jesus loves someone that he has met. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. I will tell you, I, I like this translation uh, better than the translation that most of us are used to. And part of it is that I like about it is we have in this story uh, no mention of his wealth. We have mention of his possessions, but no mention of his wealth. But y'all know the story. Uh, Jesus is there and a man comes up to him. Jesus has this conversation with him. And uh, in the midst of the conversation, the man kind of has, has life figured out. The man knows what he's doing. He has done these right things. And Jesus lists off the commandments for him. And he says, teacher, I have done all of these things from my youth. 
And Jesus says to him, but, but there's one thing that you lack. There's one thing that you lack. And this is kind of the, a great place for me to pause and to ask you that question. What, what is the one thing that you lack? On this road called discipleship, what is the one thing that you lack? For me, I can say, Lord, I, I've got my water filter, I've got my nutrition, I've got my emergency kit. What, what else could I need? I have everything right here in my possession, everything that I need. What do you mean? What do you mean there is one thing I lack? I've got, I've got everything that I need. I can go a long time. In 2020, when I was going into the canyon, the year that I was hurt, and I was trying to get down to get the sunset, I had a ranger stop me, and the ranger said to me, he said, do you have a backcountry permit? Uh, which means you're going to spend the night in the canyon, and it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, then you can't go in the canyon. And I said, well, I'm just going down to see the sunset. I'm going to go down to Plateau Point. I'll be right back. And his statement to me was, you know, you're climbing out tonight? And I said, yes. He said, do you have a headlamp? And I said, no. I said, yes, I have a headlamp. I have a backup headlamp. And I have backup batteries for my backup headlamp. I'm prepared. And his statement to me was, then you better get moving. And I took off. Because I had everything I needed to have. There was nothing that I lacked. But the man says to Jesus, I've, I've, I've kept all the commandments. I've done everything that I was supposed to do. What do you mean I lack one thing? So let's take a moment. Let's, let's look at the commandments that Jesus lists for us. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Do you know what all of these have in common? Every single one of these have something very important in common. Y'all know what it is? I don't know about y'all. I've, I've never murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stole. I, I can do all of these things. And do you know what I don't need? I, I don't need God. I can do these things without God. And Jesus says to the man, you, you lack one thing. Because the man has come and he has all of his stuff. The man has everything that he needs to get through life. He has every single thing that he could ever need except God. He's self-sufficient. You see, part of what I love about this translation and, and the way it kind of this, these verses get in our head is I can separate myself from this passage because this passage is about a rich man, right? And I don't know about y'all, but I'm not rich. But I don't think the story is about a rich man. I think the story is about a self-sufficient man. 
Because we can do these things, we can live, we can do not murder, we cannot commit adultery, we cannot steal or bear false witness or defraud, we can honor our father and mother, we can do all of these things and we don't need a God to do them. And Jesus says, but there's, there's one thing that you need. You lack one thing. We can keep them all. We can keep all of these commandments, and we don't need a God to keep these commandments. Jesus says, you lack one thing. What is it in your walk of discipleship? What is it that you lack? And I think what most of us lack is the same thing that this young man lacks. We, we lack a God. A, a God who loves us. A God who wants us to put 100% of our faith and our trust in him. A God who says, you, you've got it all, you've got it all figured out, you've been able to keep all the commandments, you have all of these possessions, you are completely self-efficient, or self-sufficient, you, you've got all of this stuff, but you're, you're lacking one thing. It's actually the most important thing. You're lacking the ability to trust your creator. Because all of this other stuff, we all like to be the helper, not the helpee. God says, you're, or Jesus says to us, you're lacking one thing. And the question that comes onto the man is a question that really is a question that I think all of us have to deal with. The question that that young man dealt with that day is, can I muster the strength? Can I muster the strength to get rid of everything that makes me reliant on myself and not reliant on God? Can, can I, can all of, those, all of those other things that I think I need that make sure that I am self-reliant, that make sure that I am self-efficient, to make sure those things, could I Get away from those things. Because what I want more than anything else is to be reliant on God. You see, the focus of this story is not on the act of selling possessions. It's about the fact that when you have nothing, you open yourself up to be vulnerable to God. The God of these commandments, the God of do not murder, of do not commit, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother, that is a God that I can keep separated from my everyday life. That's a God that I don't have to rely on. And Jesus says to him, but, but you lack one thing. You, you lack one thing, and the one thing is to allow God to transform your life. To allow God to actually move into our lives, to allow God to be a part of who we are. 
be vulnerable. You see, part of this story, and I've been kind of dealing with this story since before we started Mark, when I started looking at every week of where we would be, this has been kind of the, one of those sermons that I've been dealing with, because the old way of reading this story is, is that Jesus tells him to sell all of this stuff and follow him, and he rejects Jesus, and he just leaves sad. Y'all remember that story? That's the way I've read this story. The man comes to Jesus and says, what else do I need to do? And Jesus says, you need to sell your possessions. You need to follow me. And Jesus, and the man's like, you know, I'm not going to do that. And he just walks away sad and walks away from Jesus. Right? That's the story. But what, what if that's not the story? What if the story isn't him rejecting Jesus? What if the story is the story that I deal with and that you deal with? A story says that it's not that he's rejecting Jesus, but he's rejecting the transformation that following Jesus would bring. Think about it. Nowhere in this story does the man say to Jesus, you know, I think you're the son of God, or I used to think you're the son of God, but now that you've kind of put this on it, I, you're, not, you're not the son of God anymore, and you're not really the incarnate one, and I'm just going to walk away from you. He, he never rejects Jesus. He rejects the one thing that can transform his life. Because his possessions are a lot easier to live with. His self-sufficiency is a lot easier to live with. But transformation, if, if we really allowed God to transform our lives, what would happen to us? What would happen to our lives if we followed a God who we said, God, I'm tired of being self-sufficient. I'm tired of carrying all of these things to make sure that I don't ever need anyone. That includes you. What if I left all that behind to follow you, to allow you to transform my life? Transformation. It's, it's one of those things that is really, really difficult. There's three things I want to say about transformation this morning that I want to just walk you through and then I'll pull all this together. The first piece of this is that transformation seems elusive. It's hard to get because we can't control it. Again, if we go back to these, these commandments, it's easy to control my urge to murder someone. It's easy to control these things. Transformation is not something that I get to control. Transformation is something that God does in my heart. And it begins with me saying, Lord, I, I come to you empty-handed. I come to you saying, Lord, transform my life, transform me. The second thing about transformation is transformation begins when we leave one story for a whole new story with Christ at the center. This man is dealing with exactly this issue. 
His story is the story that we all know and the story that we all struggle with. His story is the story that says, my story is defined by everything that I have and the fact that I don't need other people to get through life. My story is dictated by the fact that I am self-sufficient. I don't need other people, I don't need a church, and I don't need God. That's my story. Are we willing to give up this story for another story that begins with Christ at the center where we walk to him empty-handed and say, Lord, take me where you want to take me? I have lacked one thing, and the thing that I have lacked is the ability to realize that you can do it. Because it's so much easier to think that I can do it. Transformation begins when we leave that old story and move ourselves into a whole new story where Christ is at the center. And lastly, Transformation is the impossible giving way to new possibility. You see, if we go through our stories in the Bible, we see this story repeated over and over. The easy one is Mary. Mary is in the middle of doing something impossible. Mary can control her own life. She's, she's betrothed to a man. Everything's looking, everything's going one direction, right? Right? Everything's working out. And God interrupts her life and says, Mary, I'm going to do something incredible for you, but you need to know you're not going to be in control. I'm going to do something incredible through you, but you need to know that you are not going to be able to do it without me. And what does Mary say? Mary says back to the angel, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the impossible. I'm ready for what God wants to do in my life if I let go of the way I think my life is supposed to go. If I move from this part of my life into where God wants me, I move into what God wants to do. It's the impossible giving way to what we thought was impossible. But singing along with Mary that all things are possible with God. What are the things that we hold on to that we cannot let go of to give our trust to God? Another thing, just kind of pulling these together that Heather had mentioned to me actually this morning. I think sometimes part of our struggle with this, when we look at these three things and we talk about the impossible I think one of our struggles is, is we live in a world where, where we can, can control God, where we can kind of say, this is how God works. And if we can control God enough, we don't have to worry about how God's going to act or whether or not he's going to act. And it's easy to separate ourselves from a God who actually does something. And I think sometimes what we need to be reminded of is that when we share the stories of how God is working, we aren't just sharing the stories of how 
I have seen God working, but we're sharing the stories of how God is working in other people's lives. To be reminded that God is working in other people's lives. Through the past few years, as we have had uh, the opportunity at the end of the service to come down and be anointed for healing, I think y'all know my heart. Uh, Being anointed for healing has nothing to do with John Parrish. It has nothing to do with this little bottle of oil that a lady at the church in San Diego gave me, and you can see in the 16 years I've been here uh, how much we've used. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with God being allowed to work. At this altar, for my family, we've prayed for my brother-in-law, Jeff, with dealing with his cervical dystonia at the point about a year ago his life was completely changed and he, was, he wasn't able to drive, he wasn't able to work, he wasn't able to do anything that he wanted to do, to run, to play disc golf, which are the two most important things we need to be able to do. That was a joke. But those things that are so important to us, Jeff couldn't do those things. And that a year later, about 95% of that is back. That's... It's incredible that the treatments that he's taking, the doctor said, we hope this is going to work. It's worked in other people, but we don't know if it's going to work in you. And it's worked. It is working. It continues to work. That my cousin Carol, who we have prayed for at this altar, and as I mentioned to y'all back beginning of this year, goes into the hospital as a cancer patient, and the oncologist told her, you will always, for the rest of your life, be a cancer patient. There is no time in your life you are not going to be a cancer patient. The type of cancer you have will be with you forever. You will never be in remission. You will always be a cancer patient. End of story. You're 47 years old. rest of your life, you're a cancer patient. But the second week of January, she left Vanderbilt Hospital as a transplant patient, not a cancer patient. That she's no longer a cancer patient. That she sends us weekly videos of her doing two laps (laughs) because she's having to teach her body how to breathe again. That she's doing physical therapy and walking with a walker, doing all of those things, but every one of those steps is a miracle of something that God is doing and that God is doing in an awesome way. But to be reminded that we do serve a God who hears our prayers, we do serve a God who wants to come into our lives and to say, I want to work in your life exactly where you are. But there's a problem. You lack one thing. You've you've got everything you could ever want. You, you, You have everything. Jesus says to every single one of us, there's one thing that you're lacking. Are are you willing to put your trust, your life, everything you have in my hand? The rich young ruler that day did not walk away because he had rejected Jesus. He walked away because he rejected 
the transformation that trusting in Jesus would bring upon his life. Today, as we close, that's the question for you. You like one thing. What what in your life, for some of us, you might say, you know, Pastor, I have, I've never, I've always trusted in myself. I've never fully trusted in God. There's some of us, though, that have say, I've, I've trusted in God, but I've also kind of held some things back. Because I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be in control. God wants to do amazing things in every one of our lives. What's the one thing? What's the one thing that we are holding back from God? Saying, I don't know if I can trust you with this. I've got all my stuff. I don't know if I can trust you with this. Do we trust him enough today for him to transform our lives? Do we trust him enough today that whatever comes next, it's because we have given it over to him? Today, as we sing, that is the call. Some of us might need to come and find a place. And as, as y'all know, one of my favorite ways, I'm not a, y'all know, I'm not a hand raiser. But as I sing, I'm an open palm person. What, what is it in my hand that I'm holding on to? That today I need to approach God and say, God, it's, it's, it's yours. I've got all this stuff that I carry. I have all of this stuff that makes me who I am, I think. That I'm self-sufficient. What, what do I need to bring to you? Here it is. Today, as we sing, if you want to come and find a place to kneel, y'all know, come and find a place at these altars. If today you'd like to be anointed for healing, I'll be right down at this altar. I'd love the opportunity to anoint you. If you'd like to pray with a pastor, uh, I'm going to ask Randy if he'll come down to this altar. If you need someone to pray with you, uh, Randy would be happy to pray with you. But today, as we sing, there's one thing. We lack one thing. Today's a great time to say, God, here it is. I want to fully trust in you. Let us stand today as we sing. Thank you.